This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Today we've got another episode of What I Would Do If I Were You and I'm here with Christina. Now she's in Germany and uh, we had a mix up on the time. She's booked herself into nearly midnight there in uh, her, her country. How are you, Christina? I'm fine, Glyn. Thanks a lot. This is great. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, you too. You too. So we can uh, move straight into your story. I know it's late there. Tell us, um, what have you been uh, going through over the last few years? When were you diagnosed and what's been the challenges? Well, I was diagnosed in uh, August 2015. That's when it all started. And the trigger was I went to the gym and I did some exercises that day. And the next day, my wrists and my hands were all infected. I couldn't bend my fingers and my elbows hurt. And first I thought it was from, it comes from exercising. Mm. And I went to see the doctor. My own practitioner was on holiday, so I've seen a re- replacement. And he, he did a blood test and my uh, markers were high on the infection markers. What do you call them? Uh, C-reactive protein. Yeah, CP markers were high. And he gave me... We call it doxycycline. Yeah, doxycycline. That's exactly what my rheumatologist wanted to put me on. In fact, did put me on during uh, early stages of my treatment. Now, listeners know my story about this already, but that's the exact yeah. drug that I took for five years as a teenager and, and I believe contributed to the biggest part of my gut downfall. So th- did they want to put you on the doxycycline straight away once you got diagnosed? I got mixed. I got mixed up. It wasn't called doxycycline because that's a penicillin or some kind of antibiotic. I, I took that a few weeks later when they tested my blood again. They found some um, Borrelia, so we thought I had Lyme disease oh. at first. So I took that and um, ibuprofen, and of course, all that didn't help. Mm. And when my doctor came back. From holidays, he did another blood test, and we found some Borrelia, so we thought we I had Lyme disease. So I went on the doxycycline for three weeks, and it did not help with the pain, and it got worse. It's, I started getting pain in my left knee, was all swelling up, and then he said, well, we're going to try some uh, prednisone. Oh, yeah. So that's what I took. I started with 20 milligrams, and it got... Of course, it got better. The swelling went down, but I was never pain-free. I was Mm. never pain-free. It got even worse. They gave me some painkiller called Tilidine, which is an opioid that they prescribe in Germany and and Switzerland a lot. It's from pain, uh, major pain, I guess. And uh, I took that. It, it makes you really drowsy and dizzy. So he told me to take it three times a day, but then I couldn't do nothing anymore. Right. 
Okay, so you're on the worst possible combo of drugs. You're actually on the three drugs that I have in my free auto email sequence training that explains the three drugs that are most detrimental to the gut. Antibiotics, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and pregnisone. So these are the three drugs that work most against the gut healing. So you were on all three of them. So no wonder you weren't doing too good. And I told him that um, some of the antibiotics don't even work with me anymore because I had so much of them during the course of my life. When I was little, I used to get tonsillitis all the time and it got treated with antibiotics or penicillin. And later on in my 20s, I started to get um, sinus infections a lot. So all the way up into my 30s, I was constantly taking antibiotics. There you go. And I would get yeast infections from it and bladder infections. And I always had trouble with my stomachs also. And um, uh, then later on, I started to get, um, I couldn't bend my toes but it always went away again, or I would get a swollen up finger and my knuckle would swell up, but it would go away again, so I didn't think about it. I didn't think it would be rheumatoid arthritis. I never heard of it before. Mm. Now I can make the connection, you know. Now I can make the connection. I would get rashes on my elbows, on both elbows and on my shoulders, and I noticed that certain foods would cause allergies and when I would leave foods that contain gluten out of my meal plan, the rashes would would go away and things like that. I'm putting one puzzle piece uh, next to another. But in December 2015, I still didn't have an appointment for the rheumatologist. I had to wait two months to get an appointment, which Mm. is common, I guess. That's normal around the world. I went to see him in January 2016, and my CPR was 36 then, and he told me I would have to take metotrexide. Mm -hmm. So he said it was a very severe case, and we have to deal with that with the um, severe medicine or whatever. He said I had to take that, and I was... I, at one point in December, I was up to 60 milligrams prednisone. I think that's close to the record. I think I know of another person who was doing 60 milligrams a day. But, I mean, that's, that's not going to do you many. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. If you can see this, this is what my hand looked like in January. Yeah. Wow. wow. I, I could not bend my fingers. Or open yeah. them. Mm. It, it take me two hours to get dressed in the morning, me and my little son. I could not walk up the stairs. This was my knee. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Brings it's back all memories. Blown up my left knee. Mm. And at some point, I could not even bend my knees to sit on the toilet in the morning yeah. or open my jaws. I would have it everywhere. I could not open my mouth to bite a, a, of a piece of banana. I used pliers to open up the bottle, Yeah. any bottle. I'm still on 10 milligrams of prednisone right now okay. and uh, tilidine. I couldn't take the metotrexide because I would get a a real bad cough. I didn't have 
any other side effects, uh, but I didn't have any benefit from it either. Mm -hmm. I would just get such a bad cough from it that I couldn't sleep at night and they had to take me off of it. And that's when I really started getting into looking up what I can do alternatively, how I can change my diet. And, mm -hmm. and I was already on my way to a, a vegan diet, but I was always, uh, you know, cheating <laughs> here and then. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but of course, then I, I, I met all these people, Dr. McDougall on YouTube. I got his book, The High Carb. We call it the high carb diet here. It's called the starch solution yeah. in the States. I got Dr. Goldner's book, Goodbye Lupus. I, I got Dr. Goldhammer, Dr. Lyle's book. Good. The health promoting cookbook and and so on. My my markers are down to nineteen now. But okay. I'm still so not better. So just for before and after kind of stats, you said the originally your C reactive protein in January when the doctor said we need to treat you aggressively, was around 35 milligrams yeah, per litre. 36. 36, yeah. And then now you're, now you're down around 19? 19.1. Okay. Okay, so we're talking about that, that was now, we're in December, so it's been nearly 12 months since you saw the doctor. Okay. All right, and so how can I help today? How can I make the best use of the next little, little bit of time? Yeah, you see, my problem is I live in a household with three sons that live on a Western standard Western diet. Mm -hmm. And I have all these foods around me, bad foods, and I keep stepping into this pleasure trap. Dr. Lyle calls it the pleasure trap. And I tell you, Clint, I don't have just one trap. My house is mined. And I am fighting this war <laughs> against against this, these all these traps. And I have to cook these foods. And it's really hard for me just to not yeah. to take a bite here and there and think, oh, well, this little bite can't hurt. Or, yeah. And then I remember um, Dr. Clapper said once, your body never, ever doesn't look, you know, if you take the bite, it's in there, and you're going to take the consequences from yeah, it. Yeah, 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 buddy. Yeah, that's right. It's not like it can go. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like it can't go, go through the oh, system. I didn't see that yeah. one coming. You know. Okay, so let me just uh, get my your your instructions for me correct. You want to know a little bit more how to avoid eating the wrong foods, so that you can stay on track in a household where you do the food prep for three other men, and all of them eat in a way that isn't what I believe is the right way. Okay, is there anything else? Because I can tend to get on a bit of a rant once I start. So do you want to give me another <laughs> requirement here? <laughs> I, I've also been uh, back and forth with the, what, what should I do? Should I, should I follow your program? Should I follow Dr. McDougall's program? He, he has more of the, the elimination diet where everything is cooked with the, the rice and, and even the fruits are cooked. And then um, I have the 80-10-10 all raw food book here. So I'm, I'm kind of confused because I keep good. slipping back and forth. Okay, good. These are good and, questions. Yeah, it's like it's just this, this little voice inside of my head telling me after two days of doing this, hmm, maybe I should try this or maybe I should try that. Uh -huh. and, and I can't just stick to one thing. 
And with all the bad foods around me, it's even worse. I'm trying to compensate for it, I guess. You're doing great. Look, first of all, you're doing absolutely wonderful. If you're surrounded by other foods, it makes it so much more difficult to make progress. But just, just before we get into all that, let me just say that what you've done up against it with some of those photos that you showed me, your knee looked like mine did at some of the worst days I ever had. Your hand looked worse than my hand ever looked. And even with the hand that I both hands, my fingers, wrists, and, and uh, all that stuff was just so uncomfortable and so horrible. I couldn't create oh, Yeah. I forgot to mention that I have lost over 70 pounds all right. in the last two years. Okay. Changing my diet. Yeah. But that also helps with the strain on the joints and everything. Yeah, that'll help a lot. It only becomes problematic if you don't want to lose any weight and then you right. you continue to lose weight. But I've addressed that in other podcasts and a new video about that uh, in your materials yeah. that you have. Okay, so okay. I've made some notes here. Talk about the pleasure trap and how to work around the, the challenges around you with food. My program versus Dr. McDougall's. All of our programs versus going raw vegan. Yeah. And flipping around, going from one style of eating to the next. Right? Is, if I answer these questions, are you going to feel that? Because I, I can see people on all these different approaches made progress and got better. So I was thinking to myself, there's got to be one common thing that all these approaches have that, that helps the sick people. Yeah. And that's probably what we don't eat anymore instead of sometimes what we do eat mm-hmm. that matters. <laughs> well, well, that's right. Know. That's right. It's Well, it's a combination of both. So let me answer it in a way that my brain works, which is to try and eliminate the simpler things first and then move on to the longer answers so that I can kind of cue them in a way that makes sense to me. Let's first of all, I guess, talk about then, let's talk about raw foods because that's something that I haven't mentioned almost since the first couple of episodes of this whole series, the podcast that I've put together. In the first few episodes of this podcast, right back at the start, I talked about raw foods because we had Rowena Jane, who's a raw food um, author and and chef and also uh, a Bikram yoga champion. And so she was our first guest on the very first episodes. Now, I did raw foods for eight months. I believe that raw foods have a tremendous pain reduction capacity but they come with the massive downside of being extremely challenging and I don't think sustainable. I, don't, I just don't think mm-hmm. that it's sustainable for year upon year and to be the sort of eating routine that is acceptable in the world that we live in. I just find it too challenging. So it was yeah. necessary for me because I couldn't eat any cooked food at all. So Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a platform of foods that would enable me to have low enough pain that I felt that I was uh, improving even on the medications that I was on. So that's on ma- maximum dose mesotrexate. So I think that introducing more raw foods and potentially going completely raw for a period of time is something that people can consider in utter desperation if they can't increase their medications because their medications are just too toxic for their body and they're rejecting Mm. them. They haven't got other medication alternatives. They've been following the Patterson program for a while and their gut is just so messed up. They can't handle even the most basic of the cooked foods. 
in that scenario, and there's another if, and if they have not a uh, chronic underweight condition, then Mm -hmm. potentially look at raw foods. I mean, I consider going completely raw vegan to be one of the last dietary measures that one could Mm -hmm. take. It's the most challenging. All right? Right. Okay. Like put it this way. If I had at my fingertips every single option, like at some point in the future, we're going to have a health retreat where people can come and they can sample all of the ways to reduce pain right in front of them and it's going to be unbelievable, right? But right. <laughs> but, but until that day occurs and if someone has it around them an option of doing Bikram yoga every day rather than going from Patterson or mm-hmm. McDougal into Raw, I would suggest that. Like I would suggest get right. your, do go do Bikram every day and you won't need to go fully raw. I, mm-hmm. For eight months I was fully raw and Bikram every day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. you got to – I, I had to go to the utmost extent of humanity to try and get my pain under control. I mean, this was – yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget right. how, now because it's been years since I was in that situation, just how mm. bad I had it. I mean, it was intense. So that's my comments on raw. All right. Now, okay. with regards to McDougal versus my program, off the top of my head, I can't remember, the, but there are around about nine differences just in the the two elimination processes itself. Mm-hmm. So. And when I spoke to Dr. Lyle, you mentioned him. He wrote The Pleasure Trap. He was on a podcast recently. Right. Yeah, that, that was so great to find out about The Pleasure Trap and not beating yourself up all the time because now I know this is a biological thing. We're supposed to be wanting to eat these foods and not because I'm weak or something. Well, that's right. And and just just to add to that, it, one of the doctors that you mentioned before, and I forget which one, I think it was Dr. Clapper, said that we do have an instinct as a, you know, as a mammal to seek out foods that are higher in fat because up until the last probably couple of hundred years of our entire existence, food were not available to us all year round in an unlimited right. amount and unlimited variety. And so mm-hmm. as an evolving species for the 99.999% of our previous history, we would have been prioritizing foods that were higher in fat because of their more calorie density. And we knew that if we could find some high fat foods that we were therefore going to sustain our energy for longer. And that doesn't right. mean that I believe that we therefore tried to eat flesh. I just mean that if we could find nuts and seeds mm-hmm. and avocados and olives right. and things like that, that we can crave those in our diet. There's no doubt about it. And right. these days it's hard to tell what we crave because our microbiome's so messed up. We're getting signals about things that aren't even natural for us, mm-hmm. like artificial flavorings. And I mean, it's a mess, right? But I think it's, it's normal. I think it's normal for us to want to crave some, some fat. But mm-hmm. do we need to get that fat via the wrong foods for us? No, because we're too intelligent and we have choices these days to be able to find alternatives to both support us and, and satiate us. So getting right. back to McDougal versus my approach. So one of the things that I've emphasized so much in my program is leafy greens. And that's one area that I strongly believe makes such a massive difference. 
And the more greens that you eat, the better you will feel. The only case where this is, needs to be modified is if someone has gastritis or someone has a, a problem whereby the, that they don't digest cellulose very well. But I don't think that mm. applies to you. I would say in your case, just eat as much leafy greens and especially baby spinach as you can. Now, our program... Yeah, that's what I like. <laughs> Sorry? But with celery and cucumber juice, that's a, a big... What do you call it? <laughs> part, of, part of your daily... It doesn't taste too good, but I look at it as medicine. Yeah. So I can drink it easier. I do work with a lot of herbal teas mm-hmm. because I grew up with that and, and we're... We just grew up with that in my family and here in Germany. It's a, a more common, I guess, than in other countries to work with herbs. So I I have uh, a few different varieties I use. Uh, for example, Zistus tea, which is has antiviral properties and has 20 times more antioxidant power than fresh pressed lemon juice or nettle tea which contains a a, a total of 17 essential vitamins and minerals like vitamin A, C, E, and K. And it also has fatty acids like lycopene and several other beneficial phytochemicals. I also use uh, oregano. This is a very good herb to use. And I make teas out of these. So instead of juicing a lot, I just compensate it with teas because... Oregano contains phenols and carbacrol, it's called. It is a powerful antibiotic, and it's also anti-inflammatory. And um, meadowsweet is also very anti-inflammatory. So I wouldn't drink those personally because I spoke to Dr. Clapper about this when he was in Sydney, and I know you've, they're close to your heart and that they're, they're comforting and soothing. But So Dr. Clapper points out that all of these various herbs have ways in which they protect themselves from the environment, from being eaten and from being uh, attacked by other, you know, microbes and so forth. And one is that, as you say, that antimicrobial effect. Mm -hmm. And he says that if you're strictly trying to keep a neutral or supportive environment for your microbiome, these things can in some cases uh, irritate uh, delicate environment that we're we're trying to nurture in there. You notice that both McDougall and myself, we don't have those teas in our program. So um, so you just you you can go ahead and and drink, but just don't think of them as things that have been scientifically studied as being beneficial. Like think of them as as something that you enjoy doing, not as therapeutic agents. That's how I would view that. I mean, we're on this call because I'm telling you what I would do. I wouldn't right. do, I personally, I wouldn't do the teas. I would increase my green intake. I would focus on increasing potassium. I would stick to one thing and eat it every day for several days so that you see a predictability in your mm-hmm. pain levels so that you can mm-hmm. monitor how things are going mm-hmm. and you get some consistency. You want to get into the healing groove, right? That means that each day you feel the same or a tiny bit better than the day before. Even if it's just week to week, you feel just a touch better. You're in mm-hmm. the healing groove because you're not getting these so-called flares or what I call reactions. You're not reacting to things because you've protected your gut from the multitude 
of negative impacts that it could have from your food environment, all sorts of stuff. And then what I would do is um, I would uh, look at ways to increase my exercise and I would look to try and sweat every day for a period of time through exercise. And you've heard that before, so that's nothing new from me. Just from a time point of view, I now want to go across and talk about, you know, the situation with having all these foods around the house. So first of all, if I was in your shoes and I had to cook for a bunch of guys who wanted to eat their meat and eggs and bacon and all that sort of stuff, they need education. This isn't a case of like trying to pamper their their superior needs. They're killing themselves. So like I would speak to them and educate them and show them this isn't food that's supportive for you. The reason that I eat the way that I do is because I'm trying to reverse a chronic disease that is going to be something that takes all my willpower and all my energy and is harder than climbing Mount Everest. They're sitting around eating this ridiculous food and thinking that it's normal and thinking that it's healthful creating. And so I would try and change the way that you prepare their foods, not try and be tempted to eat their foods. I mean, Mm. I can't stand the way that a piece of, flesh looks on a on a plate. I mean, I grew up on a farm. I've seen how these animals are killed and the blood that runs out of their body and their throats when they're slit and the agony that these animals go through when the bullet goes into their head and their eyes pop out of their face. I mean, this isn't pleasure. This is disgusting, no, no. you know. We just walked by at one of those slaughtered pigs just last week with all the children from elementary school looking at it. Well, maybe. Just the, imagine. Well, you know, these things do happen, and I think that's important. If someone can get near an abattoir, it will change their life. The smell yeah. of an abattoir, that disgusting mix of over-attempt to try and sanitize the place with right. the smell of old, dead animal. I mean, it is something else. I mean, you got to experience that. It is. I mean, my dad took me there once and I was trying to be a tough farmer, okay? He's like, my dad bought me a gun when I was 13 years old. He bought me a gun was my birthday present, okay? Wow. Yeah. And so, right, put put yourself in those shoes. I'm a 13-year-old boy. I've just gotten a gun and, Dan, we're taking animals uh, here and there as part of our livelihood. Things have changed a lot, but, look, this this Mm. is how things work. My dad said, we're going to the abattoir because... He had to meet someone there. I don't even recall why we were going there. We had nothing to do with the place. But anyway, Dad knew someone. He was meeting them there or something. And upon approach, the smell hit me. And I, I was trying to be tough, but, I'm, I mean, I'm going like that. I mean, I couldn't. I had my nose in my shirt the whole time. And I didn't go, yeah. in, I didn't go into the place. I couldn't stand it, the smell. Yeah, yeah that, that'll live with me for a long time. Anyway, we got a little sidetracked there, but I would work on these guys. I mean, did you say one of them is your son? All three of them. All three of them. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, two, two of them are grown up or grown ups already, and one is eight years old. Okay. And he also eats like that. And I can I told him so many times before, and they see how I struggle, and I keep talking to them. I mean. I studied nutrition for seven semester at university. I can tell them so many things, but I guess as long as they are not sick, they think they're invincible. Uh, we all so do. They we eating, all do. 
That's they're so true. young and they think yeah. uh, nothing can harm me. And yeah. and I mean, in 2014, my husband died of leukemia, leaving me behind with a five-year-old. And he ate meat and he smoked and drank till the end. He did not change, not even when he was sick. And I, I always tell him, I can only tell you what I know, and I can show you by what I do, how you can do it. But I cannot preach to you, and I cannot force you to live a, a healthier life. Mm. But I'm in the midst of all of this. I have to watch out for myself that I'm not stepping into these traps. You know, mm. oh, here a little French fry here or a little chip there, yeah, and hands swell up again, and that it's yeah. hard. It's really hard. God, I I understand the situation that you've yeah. So I would I yeah. would call a family meeting and I would sit down with your three lovely sons and all who, by the way, don't really you know. It's just a case of not understanding the full picture. And I would spend right. an hour with them. And I would say, look, this is the situation. This is what's wrong with me. This is how I react to these foods. And this is what I need. This is how I need to eat to be able to minimize my joint pain and not be on terrible drugs that are going to give me worse side effects and, um, and, or to minimize those drugs, right? It's not an attack on drugs. We just want to try and be as healthy as we can. That's what we're trying right. to achieve. And as in, and by doing so, we then may not require many medications, right? So, and then I would explain to your boys that all of the science supports, I, I tell you what I would do, I would have them watch some of Dr. Greger's presentations, you know, Michael Greger. I would get them to watch like yeah. the, the leading causes of death. You can say, right. look, guys, your dad went through a lot of his suffering and it's likely that the cause of his condition was aggravated by his lifestyle. And I want you to watch this video. This is not, we're not, you know, this is all scientific stuff. This is educational stuff. And our family, right. our one hour of family time this week, we're going to watch this together, okay? And then mm -hmm. after they've seen that, I would explain to them that what you would like to do as a proposal for your boys is to suggest that one night a week you cook in a way that you feel would be health promoting for them and right. you can choose one of Melissa's um, recipes mm -hmm. that you have and pick one that's like really delicious and, and, and everyone always loves. I mean, you could do something like bean burritos, right? It doesn't have to be even difficult. It could be simple, right? Mm -hmm. and, and make some bean burritos and just really have them enjoy a night of sitting around and eating foods that you feel will support them. And then on that one night, really heap praise on them that they're, they're doing what mum wanted and it's so nice and it makes you so happy and thank them. And then, and then maybe in a week or two after that, make it two nights a week and then after a while make it three nights a week. And when they notice that not only do they not feel worse to eat healthy food, but maybe they slept better that night or they felt a little bit more energy the next day or whatever, and that they're still strong and that they're still the human being that they were the day before, then maybe over a period of six to 12 months, maybe your household could be 
eating a lot healthier than it is today. And in parallel to that, in parallel, you need to stick to as strict or as basic plan as you need for now for your body yeah. to 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 continue to uh, to stay in a low inflammation state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I would do. Simple start with uh, um, repetition of the same simple foods, and then graduate from there up. Well, I did that. I, pod- I, yeah, I did that. You know, episode with the nutritionist, and although you haven't seen that yet, it will be released by the time this is released, mm-hmm. and. Um, it goes through even the most basic format of our plan and it meets every vitamin and mineral uh, requirement. And so you're not missing out on anything. In fact, there's no greater way of eating for a human being in terms of hitting all your nutritional requirements. It's it's phenomenal. So, And that's a basic sort of format of our plan. So you can be reassured with that mm-hmm. and take a B12 and, um, and exercise and look, it just takes time. It took years. It took me years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes time. I, I do exercise. I started Aikido before RA hit me, and I, I had to, I, I thought I had to quit. And I love this sport. I really do. So now I just make myself go there, and sometimes I would just sit there and watch. I just participate in the warm-ups, and I do some techniques I can do. And I got my inflammation levels down to 19, so I could actually, I, I made my yellow belt in July. That's awesome. <laughs> and I go to to the gym twice a week just to get my joints moving. I do that too. And Excellent, 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 excellent. Okay. I need to move. Without move, if I don't move, I can, you can forget it. Well, it's you, so important to move. Everyone needs to listen to you. If you don't move, you can forget it, okay? Anyone who's listening, watching right now, take a break. Take a break. And, if and you know, I talk about these retreats we're going to do one day. This will be the longest that we ever sit down and go over any kind of educational content because we've got to get up, get moving, get up, get moving. The joints are only in your body because they're there to move. If they weren't right. a joint, if it wasn't meant to move, it would be a straight bone. The thing has to move and that's how it gets nutrients. So we've got to move, 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 move. And whatever that means for people, if it means someone's at work, potentially look at getting a standing desk and then sit down, then stand up, then sit down or just drink lots of water and take loo breaks all the time. Go to the bathroom because you need to go because you're always drinking water. Whatever little tricks you need to do to keep the body moving, we've got to keep the body moving. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And for Christmas Eve, we're going to have bean burritos. There you go. <laughs> High five on that one. <laughs> bean burritos. That's great. Yeah, right now, yes, of course it's Christmas coming up and within our within our community forum, uh, we've, we're all talking about what to do for Christmas and bean burritos would be just lovely. Yeah. Bean burritos. Just, there you go. Just talking about that. What are we going to have for Christmas Eve? Now I know. <laughs> That's fabulous. That's fabulous. And, of course, if you need to, like, not break, but bend the rules a little bit on Christmas and eat in a much more diverse way, you know that you can just reset back to the baseline meals again the next day or two. And and you're not going to do yourself any harm. You're just having a day where you're just going to experience probably a little bit more pain, but you know how to get rid of that pain again. So don't, the fear is gone. 
Have a nice Christmas day. Don't break the rules. Just bend them a little right. and you'll have a, have a wonderful day with the boys. Yeah, I yeah. will. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I hope this has been helpful, Christina, and I'm really, um, you know, I'm really proud of you, all that you're doing, and, and it's so challenging. You're on your own. You've got three boys yeah. to look after. Oh, come on. You know, you deserve a medal. Yeah. It's hard. And yeah. and the community around me isn't supportive. I mean, they're all meat eaters. Wherever I go, there's not one vegan around. I mean. Okay. All right. Let me sort that out. So I'll give you a month. You can come and hang with us for a month in our support forum. <laughs> and uh, you'll be able I to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah. come join us for a month and uh, you can join our Christmas discussions and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm sure in that month you'll get a really um, appreciation for uh, all of the finer detail of how to move forward in 2017. Cool. Okay, we'll set that up well, for you. Thanks so much, Christina. And you know, I really thank hope you, you have a, uh, You better get to bed, right? It's, nearly, it's midnight. Oh, yeah, it's it's a 12.31 <laughs> all right, all in right. the morning. Okay. Well, I'm getting up in about five hours. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap it up Bye. so you can get a little sleep. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 Take Bye-bye. care. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.